Welcome to Shift, a college admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and Achievable has an affordable ACT course that uses memory-based adaptive learning technology to get you better results on your ACT exam in less study time. And you can get a free trial of this course at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, today I've got Scott Clyburn from North Avenue Education back on the show. And Scott, thanks for joining us. I'd love if you could just quickly introduce yourself here for the people who haven't heard you before. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back on, Tyler. So my name is Scott. I'm the founder and director of North Avenue Education. I've been a professional educator since 2005. Uh, I focus Mm -hmm. on uh, college preparedness, SAT, ACT prep, and college admissions essays. And I love working with students who are uh, experience learning differences or disabilities or who are neurodivergent in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, my firm, North Avenue Education, is based in Portland and meets with students uh, in Portland or online. Uh, we specialize in individuated test prep and academic coaching. We believe every student can be prepared for a vibrant future, and we can be found mm-hmm. online at northaveducation.com. So northaveeducation.com. Fantastic. Well, thanks. And so for today's topic, we're going to talk about uh, why you should really be considering AP and IB exams, not just AP and IB courses, uh, as part of your application process, right? And I think the core piece of this, right, I mean, we talked last time we were on the show, we talked about tests optional. I think it's and that's like a, the key thing you wanted to start with was how in the test optional world, these are more relevant than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. So the big question on colleges' minds is for students who apply without submitting SAT or ACT scores, how can we be really sure that they are prepared for the rigorous coursework at our college? Uh, Beforehand, in the kind of pre-test optional era, uh, students would submit their high school transcript. The colleges would look at the GPA. They would look at the, the rigor of the courses that they took in their high school. They would look at their general high school profile. Um, what are the kind of average GPAs? What are the graduation rates, et cetera, of these schools? Uh, and then they would use the SAT and or ACT scores to sort of fact check that information, right? To kind of, you know, pre- perform maybe like a validity test of, okay, uh, this student uh, supposedly took, you know, honors English or, or you know, calculus or, or whatever. Uh, did they score what we would expect them to score on the SAT reading section or the ACT math or science section? Right. Um, yeah. So now so- they don't have that. <laughs> exactly. So, so now there's no there's no kind of like uh, way to way to fact check or or follow up and make sure that some of those some of that information that they're getting on the high school transcript or the the high school GPA is is valid and accurate. Um, and so the 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 thinking is, uh, and you know, we're we're hoping to see some more data uh, be released on this over the next few years as test optional continues to be a trend in admissions. Um, but the thinking is that. AP and IB, IB stands for the International Baccalaureate Program. These are Mm -hmm. sort of independent ways that students can attest to the rigor of their high school coursework. Right. So if you take an AP class in a standardized way, right? Exactly. Exactly. That that's what they're looking for. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Kind of back back to square one. Right. So. Uh, you know, if your school is an AP school, they use uh, the the College Board's Advanced Placement Curricula. 
to kind of train their teachers and give their teachers resources and, and learning, you know, lessons and activities and everything. And the whole goal of that is to prepare you for the independently administered AP exam in that subject. So you'll go in on a right. particular day to school and you'll take, you know, a two hour or three hour exam uh, and it'll be scored by the college board and you'll get a score out of five. And that will tell, you know, you and your school and your teacher that because they are paying attention to this information as well, if you have mastered the material for that subject. Right. Well, and I mean, I, I made the joke about there being another standardized test of sorts that these colleges are clinging to. Because at the end of the day, like, I think that they just really want to have some kind of validation, essentially, that you're, you're not um, at an easier program, maybe, than they would expect. And it was easier for you to get an A in AP English than maybe it should have been compared to someone else. Or just otherwise trying to get a sense for where you really stand as a student, right? Yeah. And, and you know, this is, this is good for students, right? Because, you know beforehand, if you went to, you know, Phillips Exeter Academy or, you know, another boarding mm -hmm. school, um, the, your, the, the Yale admissions officer knew your high school counselor or knew your, you know, teachers by name because he went there too. And, and so it was kind of like an old <laughs> boys club of, you know, of nepotistic admissions. Um, and, and now colleges are trying to, to kind of find those diamonds in the rough, so to speak, the, the rural, you know, Kansan uh, farm boy or girl who, um, mm -hmm. who can cut it at Yale, just like the, the Phillips Exeter grad. Uh, but they don't know that much about that school in, in rural Kansas. They don't know, um, you know, the quality of instruction that that student has received. And so they need some sort of independent right. measure of assessment. Right. And it's in a way, I mean, so like part of me making the joke earlier was was laughing at the fact that, you know, we took away the SAT and ACT and then we just found something else that's mm -hmm. like replacing the same function in a lot of the ways. Right. Which, you know, is that counter to the point of test optional. Eh, but then there's kind of the other side of it is like you're only going to be doing AP tests for things that you are really interested in and confident in and like deeply sort of involved in. So it's, you know, maybe you're not submitting kind of like this overall generic, like, what do you know about what you learned in high school kind of score, but you do get to show uh, your love for biology, mm -hmm. right? And maybe that's a win. Maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I think, I think a big factor in admissions um, people's minds is reducing the burden on students so, you know, the SAT mm -hmm. or the ACT, especially if you plan to prepare for it or study for it, will probably happen, you know, outside of school. Um, it'll be time that you spend preparing for or studying for the SAT or the ACT that you're not spending, you know, right. on your coursework or on extracurriculars or, or, you know, leadership or other things that the college also wants you to do. So the idea is, you know, you're already taking these classes, uh, AP or IB classes, you're already doing this work. Maybe, like you said, Tyler, it might align better to your interests and your kind of ultimate career or, or college um, study goals. And so we're right. kind of reducing a burden that, that seems kind of extraneous or extra. Uh, we are replacing it with another standardized measure or test, but at least it'll be something that you're, you're kind of already planning to do anyway. 
Yeah, well, you're already getting trained on it. I think that's a great point that I hadn't thought of. And then the other point that I think about with this is that it, it also mirrors kind of the broader trend that I've heard about, which is that colleges are really, like, for such a long time, they were they were recruiting circles. And what I mean by that is they were recruiting people that were super well-rounded and good at everything and not maybe particularly stand out. Or if they were, they were stand out in addition to being good at everything, right? So that's, you know, what is the ACT or SAT test? It tests, like, how well are you versed in all of the things that you learned yeah, in high school. Yeah, core skills, reading, writing, um, math. Problem solving, yeah. Right, and it's and it's it's maybe for somebody who's really really into the biology or the film career path and going to be great in that path. You know, they'll nail the AP exam because they're really passionate about it, but they maybe don't care about geometry, right? So it's it, yeah. it's interesting. I wonder if this is also part of like a broader trend towards you know specialization as to circles more like arrows i think is the name of the other term where someone's got like a really strong direction in one place yeah yeah no i i think you're i think you're probably right i think colleges have a huge feel a huge pressure to you know um funnel kids into specific career tracks right uh or or, or mm-hmm. pre pre-graduate tracks right pre-law pre-business um pre-medicine etc and so they're looking for those kids who have who can show or demonstrate interest and um, excellence in some of those areas before they even get onto their college campuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean that's really interesting to me because I I feel like you know you brought up like the the person from Kansas and kind of I bring up the person who's just really into one thing. I think that this sort of is beneficial to them. Um, and then sort of to tie back to like the, the original sort of title topic, right? This is why you should take these AP or IB tests is because you want to show, first off, I think like most colleges want to see at least one or two of these anyway, or like a subject test. Um, yeah. So subject tests, you know, yeah. So subject tests are, are, have actually like gone the way of the dinosaur. So you're right. They right. used they used to this is kind of replacing look for this. Instead, yeah, this right. is this is totally replacing it. I I heard a, I had an interview with an IEC the other day, an independent educational consultant, college counselor, and you know she used to read at a small uh, engineering school on the East Coast, and and she said that you know the way that they tabulated their academic. Uh, the student's academic record and in, in admissions was they kind of gave uh, points for certain things like you know uh, a 4.0 GPA or uh, an SAT math score over 700 or whatever it was it was, and then they gave bonus points for either subject tests or a five mm-hmm. in AP tests for particular subjects. And if they're they're right. engineering school, so those subjects were you know physics and chemistry. In math. Yeah. Fives are fives are definitely worth a bonus point. I mean, I would even say a four, <laughs> you could say maybe it's worth half yeah. a bonus point, right? A lot of schools absolutely. I mean, a five a five is sort of that um standout, you know, it's 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 beneficial to the student as uh as an accolade to them, right? But even a four, sometimes right. three might get you college credit, which means less money f- that you have to pay that college to graduate, right? F- fewer to to fewer right. credits you have to take to graduate and, and therefore you're saving you're saving money and time. So yeah, and reasons. you're and you're jumping in you're jumping in a little further on the deep end when you get to college in that particular field, right? 
Yeah. Um, you don't have to kind of rehash the boring stuff freshman year. You can actually, you know, start to take next level classes. Exactly. That's a super important aspect that we, we haven't touched on, right? Like, so there's the admission side. Then there's the credit side, <laughs> right? Yes. You're essentially, because like, you know, high school, depending on where you go, is not free, but it's probably cheaper than college, no matter what, right? And if you think about like, you know, what is what are you paying for when you go to college? Well, you're paying for a certain amount of class time, <laughs> right? Yep. And so why not get, you know, 20% off your biology courseware in college kind of thing, right? You, you can skip the stuff that you don't need. Right. Or, or, or you know, just circumvent uh, the sort of gen ed requirements that you would otherwise have to take and start working on your major and developing relationships with your, you know, a mentor in your field so that, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can tout higher level coursework when you apply to graduate school or um, have a better relationship to, to call on a, a recommender. Right. Yeah, that all makes a ton of sense. And then I'm curious, um, for and excuse my ignorance on this, but do you need to be enrolled in an AP class to take an AP test? That is a great question. That's that's actually something we've seen yeah. evolving over the past few years, uh, especially during mm -hmm. you know COVID and remote school. Um, a lot of families withdrew their kids from either public or private schools and homeschooled, or maybe put them in online you know virtual academies, and a lot of those uh, options don't have. Uh, AP coursework as, as, or IB as a standard offering. And so those kids had to find right. ways to take the AP exam for the subject they were interested in, although they weren't enrolled at an AP school or you know an IB school and take the IB exam. So I'm less familiar with the IB side of it, I'll, I must admit. But on the AP side, there is a way to um, find schools in your area that are administering AP exams for particular AP subjects, meaning they offer those classes right. to their students and therefore they're going to offer the exam when it comes time in May to administer the exam. And you can register independently as an independent student. You can also, if you're a homeschooling student, mm -hmm. you can uh, create an account with College Board and get access to some of the AP prep materials, which is a great tip uh, for students who aren't actually at an AP school or enrolled in an AP class, but they want to take the exam for that subject. Yeah, College Board does a good job of making that accessible. Um, well, I'm, I'm yeah. glad to hear that because I, I do think that, you know, especially if you're the rural person from Kansas or if you're homeschooled, Right. I mean, <laughs> homeschooled straight A's is going to feel really hard to put weight into as a college admissions counselor. It totally makes sense. Right. Like, I mean, if you're a parent and you know that someone with a 4.0 GPA is a better chance of getting into schools, you, you know, will make it a 4.0 GPA. Right. Like your goal yeah. is to help your kid out. Um, yeah. And a so lot of it's, schools... it's like, how do you tell at that point? That's I... probably a big one. Totally. That's a that's a great point, Tyler. Um, a lot of schools actually still require SAT and a or ACT scores from homeschooled students specifically for that reason. Because um, oftentimes they don't yeah. have they don't have letter grades or, or, or numeric grades. It's just narrative. Um, if you go to an alternative school that doesn't have grades, uh, they they also tend to say you have to submit SAT or ACT scores. So that homeschooling community, right. uh, alternative school community, th those are those might be those students might be in for a surprise when they come to the college admissions season um, and realize that they actually do have to jump through the standardized test tube. Right, and so that's actually a good sort of segue into the next thing, which is 
the the key thing, regardless of whether you're homeschooled or whether you have a 4.0 GPA in Kansas or whether you have a 4.0 GPA in almost every school that's not like a tip, like you know a top college prep high school, um, grade inflation has become a big thing. From in my understanding, I think there was I've heard I've heard somebody say on this podcast that fifty percent of students have a four and I've heard someone else say that seventy percent of students have a four Regardless of who is right, it is clearly a lot of people that have a four it used to be that a 4.0 was kind of, you know, it put you in the top, I would just to throw some total guesses out, I would guess it put you in the top quartile, top yeah, 25%. I was going to guess. I was going to guess that's decile. Like, I mean, it used to be yeah, rare when I was in school. So, something something in there, something something that shows actually that you're in like a top portion of the country in terms of grades. Mm-hmm. Now it's just not that at all, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like table stakes. Like you have a 4.0 to start if you want to apply to like selective schools. Hmm. So that's the other reason why these other measures of exceptionalism are so important. Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of times students can have maybe their lens uh, trained a little too narrowly on their immediate school context. And they can kind of look around to their peers or their friends and say, oh, I have a higher GPA than most of my friends. So I must be a pretty competitive college applicant. Um, Whereas they don't realize that on the national level or even on the international level, because we have more and more kids applying internationally to U.S. colleges every year, um, that's not a standout feature, right? There's a lot of people just like Mm -hmm. them. And so if a college has to assess an applicant with a 4.0 and no AP coursework to an applicant with a 4.0 and a lot of APs under their belts and scoring, you know, fours or fives on AP exams, independently administered AP exams, they're going to choose, you know, the student with those additional um, independent measures of preparedness, right? It's just a better bet Mm -hmm. for them because at the end of the day, colleges are making a bet on you. They're saying, all right, we're going to give you access to our top-notch professors, our amazing facilities. We're going to kind of invest time and and energy and food in you over four years. Uh, We we hope that that bet pays off. You know, we we want you to be successful. We want you to go off and do great things and, you know, give millions of dollars to our alumni association. And if you don't look like a good bet, they're not going to take that chance. Right. That totally makes sense. Thanks. This is Ben Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable with Scott Clyburn from North Avenue Education. You can get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course by visiting achievable.me. And if you like it, use the code podcast to get 10% off.